You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. At Mattress Firm's Black Friday Now Sale, save up to 60% on Sealy with queen mattresses starting at $279.99. Talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep. to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, Betty Soed. With me, your content host, Katie Charlwood, spectacle adorer and reader of books. So, it's the Betty Soed with the pets that don't really belong anywhere else. So, I want to talk about something this week, which I talk about all the time and I am unnaturally obsessed with. I don't know why. I've always, you know, I actually know why I'm obsessed with this. Because. Uh, So, like, when I was studying um, history in college, we were studying American history um, in the early 20th century. And when it got to the point about American history between the, the late 19th and early 20th century, it's incredibly depressing. Like, I don't know if you've ever studied. We have slavery, the world wars, The Great Depression, the Holocaust, everything is fucking awful. Even before that, we have, like, the annihilation of the native people of America. Like, it is fucking atrocious. Like, studying history, it can really crush you. Especially if you study it from a perspective of people. Like, you care about people, not just, like, stuff. Like, I saw a thing on TikTok when it's like, what about you? What about your interests makes people think you're interested in something, but you're absolutely fucking not? And honestly, battles. For the most part, I don't give a fuck about battles. Because generally in history, when people talk about battles, all they care about are names, places, dates. But there's no personhood attached to it. It's all vague and grandiose and I have no fucking interest in it. Like, I care about people. It's why I usually don't care about the names. So like, even though I'm really into true crime, I have such trouble remembering the names of like serial killers and stuff. 
Um, Because I'm completely disinterested in their names because I think they are irrelevant. What I do think is relevant are the lives they snuffed out and that's what I'm interested in. That's why I don't give a fuck who Jack the Ripper was. This has been Who Did What Now and I have been Katie Charlwood, ranting host apparently. Uh, Yeah, so I am obsessed with wine bricks. They're also known as grape bricks and grape blocks. I know what you're thinking. Please quit your jibber-jabber and fact me. In fact you, I will, but I've got to get my source on. My first source is the history of North America from 1875 to 1975, um, which is part of my studies from college. Also, I have vinepair.com, grapecollective.com, and of course, smithsonian.com. Okay, so, prohibition, that thing uh, we all fucking despise, it went into effect on January 16th, 1920. So, the Volstead Act, it basically meant that you could not produce and sell alcohol um, unless it was for like sacramental wine for church, then you were fine. Like, sorry. And as we covered in our Prohibition Poisonings episode, the Volstead Act basically states that you cannot produce and sell alcohol for consumption. Like, unless you're making sacramental wine for churches, that's fine. Um, otherwise, it's it's not legal you can't do that in the US and you could produce alcohol if it was used for something like wood varnish or paint thinner like you could produce ethanol but just not anything drinkable so in places like Napa Valley who were making the majority of America's wine they faced a wee bit of a dilemma because they couldn't make any fucking wine the vineyards they were like shit the vineyards had what some might call a conundrum their options were either rip up their plants and plant something else in the meantime to try and make money, try and make money some other way, or leave things as they are, or continue growing grapes and, and not make anything. Their issues were, because if they tear, the thing is, if they destroy their vines, it's going to take them at least a decade once they're replanted to like start producing good quality grapes again. So some vineyards, they're like, fuck this for a game of soldiers, we're just tearing everything up, we're going to plant some orchards, we, we, we need the money, we need to do something now. Others went um, for an alternative route. And this is why I love genius out-the-box thinking. So, so the Volstead Act didn't stop the growing of grapes, just um, that grapes could not be used in the production of alcohol. So, again, unless it's for sacramental wine, in which case, mwah, you're golden, it's fine. So, like, basically, if somebody grew grapes they knew were going to be used for alcohol or someone turned grapes into alcohol, um, they'd both go to jail. But if the person growing the grapes makes sure, you know, that there's a warning so that people know that these grapes are not to be used for the creation of alcohol. And like if they passed from pillar to post enough that you couldn't follow where they came from, it's fine. So the person who grows the grapes can't be like, can't knowingly know the bootleggers bootlegging the booze. Also, in addition, furthermore, the law also states that, you know, that those who are growing grapes can make juice and just concentrate. Again, only if these are like non-alcoholic. So if they wanted to, the vineyards could still make non-alcoholic wine and also ensure that there was a label, a warning label that said, don't make wine, this is not for wine, then they're good. And so came the creation, ingenuity, outside the box thinking, bish bash bosh, Wine bricks, also known as grape bricks, also known as grape blocks. 
but I like wine bricks best. So, the wine brick. It was basically this block of concentrated grape juice, which, you know, if someone had the intention to, without the grower's knowledge, which, you know, um... So, with each wine brick... I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. There was a little label, a warning label, which basically said, Do not! Dissolve this concentrated grape block in a gallon of water. And absolutely, do not under any circumstances, leave that jug of water and grape concentrate in a cool cupboard for 21 days or it'll turn into wine and we don't want that to happen. But that wasn't the only warning on the label. Oh no, they made sure to involve the prohibition legislation saying that consuming homemade wine for your personal use, up to 200 gallons of it, is absolutely fine. It's legal. Just as long as this wine doesn't leave your house. If it stays inside your house, it's fine. Some of the vineyards that were creating these wine bricks added an extra wee bit. Some companies like um, Vino Sano, they wanted to be like extra clear and make sure that there was no confusion. So they would even tell them that they were making like a Riesling or a Clara or a Burgundy. And, you know, they should be careful because they don't want to make, you know, this is what could happen if you allow this to ferment. And basically, wine bricks single-handedly save the American wine industry. Because when prohibition ends, the demand for grapes doesn't fall. Because only a select, like, because, you know, there isn't enough vineyards out there. Because, you know a lot of the vineyards ripped up their vines. Like, they don't have the grapes. They're not growing them. So the ones that were left, the ones that were doing this, because they were the only ones left, they were, they were the only ones able to produce wine. Like, the wine that was made from the wine bricks wasn't exactly the best of wines. But, you know, it, it did in a pinch. But yeah, thanks to Prohibition, some winemakers got very, very rich. And that is the story of wine bricks fucking love wine bricks. It's one of my favourite things in history that doesn't involve, like, an actual person. <laughs> or true crime, which is good. It's nice to have something a little bit lighter after last week's monkey scenario. So, if you liked my retelling of the wine bricks tale, feel free to rate and review. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Say something nice about me. Why don't you? You may as well. I love you forever. Thank you for listening to this bidisode. And this is something I have literally wanted to talk about for so long. So I actually recorded versions of this a couple times, but I lost the recordings. I don't know what I did. They're gone. But anyway, I, I just love wine bricks. I love wine bricks. Like, 
I love him so much. But I, but thank you for listening to this story with me. Uh, if you want to follow me, um, I'm doing more stuff on Instagram now just because I feel like it. And so there's going to be some fun history facts, going to be some videos about stuff. I'll probably do an Instagram TV soon. Do a live maybe if you're interested. If you want me to, just let me know. And you can uh, you can message me and contact me on like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and and I will chat to you then. And with that, I'm gonna bid you farewell. Adios, au revoir, au revoir, my friends. Uh, bye bye. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night.